All right, guys, welcome back to the Part-Time Hunter Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Gross, and uh, <laughs> quick apologies, boys. It's been a couple weeks, and this will be episode number 33, and uh, getting on up there in the double digits in life, early season, September, and a lot of projects get in the way, and we're human too, but uh, as always, boys, the Part-Time Hunter, no commercials, no sponsors, no BS, just a pure hunting podcast and on the other end of the line i've got a uh, new pair of guests up here from twin hill outdoors and i'm going to let them uh, introduce themselves on the other end guys so uh tell everybody who you are and where they can find you on instagram yeah my name is uh trace larimer you can find us at twin hill outdoors uh yeah we just post outdoor content and that's you have to check it out for yourself my name's Cade Mitchum. I'm from Cherokee, Oklahoma. Like I said, we run the Twin Hill Outdoors Instagram page. That's kind of our main deal. And then we go from there. And Dude, that's awesome, boy. So, like, like give uh, – I mean, I've been following you guys for a while. I mean, you guys uh, obviously uh, got a cool story about how you met, kind of down a little bit south of me. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you guys know I'm out of North Georgia, just below Chattanooga. So, very a uh, very unique strategy and lifestyle if you're a waterfowl guy it's almost like we always have to pack the miles on our trucks or whatever to get to where the birds are because our local populations they're a little bit tougher but in some parts of the state of georgia like you guys will hear in this episode that they, they really get after scouting and that whole uh, atmosphere is a little bit different than what i'm dealing with here in the mountains so uh, if you guys want to either one of you guys want to give a spill on kind of how twin hills got started and maybe how you guys met up so I guess uh, it started in high school, I guess freshman, sophomore year. Uh, we met when I moved to a different high school, and me and Trey started going to high school together, and we both kind of talked to each other and both had the interest of waterfowl hunting. And uh, we were kind of fortunate. Uh, my dad leased a farm that was right there off a, a big reservoir, so you couldn't hunt the reservoir, but we had a lot of land uh, and ponds around that, so that kind of led us to – pretty good duck season every year with the uh, geese and the uh, divers there dude that's crazy so like the reservoir for people that aren't local to our, our area if you're blessed with a flyway you could say we pretty much hunt those big local uh lakes like the the one that's nearest me is like carter's lake uh a little bit south of here lake lanier uh you can go to lake gunnersville uh, gunnersville is probably the most famous place for canvas backs that's not super super far away for us to drive but so were you guys like trafficking stuff or like is it like a feed or a loaf or what what's the situation near that reservoir uh trace you want to touch on that any or pretty much the, the reservoir was just a safe safe space for the ducks and uh the luckily all the all the cattle ponds that that were uh that Kate's dad farmed on was they were in real low areas and uh, the ducks felt safe. And uh, like you said, we had a couple options, so we would never have to keep uh, shooting the same ponds weekend after weekend or day after day. We, we were able to balance them out and we, we mixed the swamp in the mix every now and then the typical Georgia wood duck swamp. And uh, man, we just, we just had a blast. Like, like you said, we were beyond fortunate um, being able to, being able to do that. Cause, uh, nobody around around us was was killing you know quite quite the numbers we were putting up and it was just like i guess now like talking back about it uh makes you really thankful but at the time we it just became kind of like accustomed to it like we didn't really notice anything different but uh 
man, those were, those were definitely some good times and they definitely helped us like, uh, build a foundation of like our love for it today. No doubt. Dude, yeah, I mean, when you can consistently get on, you know, good hunts, I mean, and when we say good hunts, like a lot of guys here at this podcast are like, ah, you know, uh, you know, we're killing 30, 40 geese at a time, we're not even going out there. I mean, if you if you get in the double digits at all, I mean, local geese here where I'm at, I mean, it's, it's a good morning. I mean, and you don't try to go out there with a bunch of guys because, you know, the number one thing where we live is hide is huge. I mean, hide is key. Hide kills more birds than any full body, any silhouette, any kind of spread you got. High, if you don't have a hide, you don't have a hunt is basically how I look at it. So, right. I mean, we're hunting Johnson grass and cut hay fields. Yep. And, I mean, I, I've had more success. This sounds crazy, but you guys probably have, have done this too, being from, you know, from Georgia. But, dude, like, yep. you know, your burlap um, tree stand material, you can go to Walmart and buy it, and you cut it, you cut it up that covers a man from head to toe, and then you take yep. the green zip ties – and you zip tie the living shit out of some Johnson grass on that bad boy, and you yep. just you just lay on the wet hayfield, dude. I'm telling you, I, we we shot. Now this has been years ago in Ringgold. Uh, shout out to Garrett Yates, uh, the Yates farm up there. He just had a consistent feed of like forty to sixty five geese hitting it, and it was just nothing but a super hard, uh, really just a horse pasture. It was so the ground was so packed that. We almost needed one of those dive bomb spike things to get the dive bombs in the ground because they just would not go. And, like, it's in the middle of September, so it's not because it's frozen. It's just so freaking – the ground's so hard-packed that, dude, we're out there just trying to jam. I mean, we're bending stakes. I mean, I was like, there's no way we're getting these four or five dozen decoys out here. But we did it, and we shot a seven-man, and we looked at the GoPro footage from the first uh, flight that came in, the first group, to when we were done. It was 15 minutes. I mean, it wow. was absolutely stupid. I mean, I could not keep shells in the gun. Like, we were wanting to go pick birds up so bad. We were flaring groups because there was just so many damn white bellies out there, and it just was all you could do. But, I mean, that's just what you have to do sometimes. And people hear that, and they're like, oh, you know, we can sit an A-frame out in the middle of a field, and we roast them. Dude, if you put an A-frame up where I live, you won't see a bird. They won't even come within 300 yards of you. It's just yeah. completely – flaring them anyway i got down a rabbit hole there so uh, tracy t- tell us how like how you got started hunting man like your background like growing up in middle to south georgia like what's that like and who was your uh, biggest influence getting you into it? we'll uh, we'll switch over to kate after you go so uh i grew up just really really deer hunting and uh uh with my dad and my dad liked to go duck hunting every now and then and i remember whenever i first started duck hunting i i really I, i'll be honest didn't really care for it and then i uh met some good friends and you know we we really uh you know we we went and took our own course on it we had a lot of fun doing that and i, I like i said i shot a bunch of ducks with my dad growing up and he he's not as serious about it quite like i was and uh, he's more of a deer hunter and um i would say the person who really introduced it to me though would would be my dad although like if if he goes on on a hunt with me now it's it's you know once once in a blue moon every every now and again um but he introduced it to me and uh you know I'm, i'll always be thankful for him uh you know teach me teach me how he did it and uh i'm i don't know i'm that's that's really it for for my end that's how that's how i learned and then just personal experience ever since ever since then you know we started driving we started scouting on our own around here and finding our own uh to go and uh yeah the rest i mean katie take it away now 
So I guess I'd agree with Trace. I'd have to say the same for my dad. I guess he was a first-generation hunter. Not uh, His dad didn't ever hunt. And like I said, we had that pretty decent farm. And so some of his buddies talked him into going uh, waterfowl hunting. And so then once I got old enough, he started taking me. And then kind of when I started going old enough or getting old enough to go on my own, he just kind of let me have at it. And that kind of sparked my own interest in it and, so I remember like back when, you know, you could barely tow a gun. He's dropping you off at the gate up by the road and you and uh, a couple buddies are going down there just trying to figure it out on your own. So I guess he was the one that got me into it, but then kind of let me take the reins pretty quick on it. Dude, that, that that's awesome. Man. It, it's, it's cool to hear guys' stories and like what makes you stick with it. Because, I mean, it, waterfowl especially, there's so many aspects to like about it some guys like knocking off birds in every state some guys uh chase just the hanging out with the boys the bs the drinking the scouting uh the eating at gas stations at three in the morning that i mean some guys go for that some guys like the content some guys like pile some guys chase bling i mean it's just it there's so many uh facets to what we love to do it's just cool i i think the more that i get older i mean i just turned 31 so not super old but been doing it for a while and uh, I mean, I love killing them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think it's like a maturing phase that we as hunters go through is where, you know, you start out and you're like, I just want to kill everything. You know, I just want to get the piles. I want to get the straps. I want to get the pictures. And then you kind of grow out of that and you really love, you know, the management, the habitat. And really for me, like, it's just the people that I meet, like places I get to go, like the camaraderie, the the bullshit and the blind dude, the in-between groups. I mean, that, that stuff's what you remember and the friendships. Oh, yeah. But uh, right. yeah, I mean, we can dive more into that, but dude. It's just, it, it's just funny and cool to hear what what you know spurs people to do and keeps keeps you going. So, Kate, are you are you local? I mean, did you grow up in Georgia? Or are you are you originally I, from Oklahoma? No, I grew up in Georgia. I, I guess I lived there nineteen nineteen years, and then I've lived in Oklahoma for a little over three now. Oh, that's cool, man. So you're you're, so you're a Georgia uh, transplant then. Yes, sir. So, are you a are you a Sooner fan now? Or are you still a Georgia Bulldog? No, I'm a Georgia Bulldog. Oh, man. thank God. Okay, good, good. We'll good. be we'll be till I die. So, I'll me go to, too. Me too, man. I, go, I, I have some buddies that go there to OSU, so we'll go down and watch one of those games every oh, now and then. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a I dude. I'm so torn on the season this year. Like, I I want Carson Beck to do good, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like. I don't know if he's it. I just don't know if he's him. You know what I mean? I, I think doing what we need to do to win right now, in all honesty, I, I'm just trusting the process. My faith is fully in Kirby's hands, so that's that's my little spiel on that. Dude, that, that that's what you have to do. But as soon as like my as soon as I hear the words well, it's two words, Mike and Bobo, I just think like third and long, run up the middle. <laughs> and yeah. we just squander it over and over and over cuz I I mean like the peak of like when I was going to college it was uh Matthew Stafford, Doshan, Mike Bobo, Mark Rick and you know we got to the SEC championship then couldn't do anything else and I was just like well you know I mean it's just what he does I mean and, and he started to do that in the beginning of the season the first couple of games where we got really really slow starts and I was like here we freaking go but yeah, he proved me wrong. South Carolina game, they must have like threw chairs or something at halftime because they came out a totally <laughs> different team. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of like Trace on this. I'm like, yeah, I trust the process, but man, it's aggravating, dude. I was just it like, is. Come on, boys, <laughs> we got yeah. we got to pick it up. 
I think with Georgia, they do, they play with their competition a lot. You know, if we play a really, you know, good team, we stick right there with them and make it a good game. And then it seems like we play someone smaller, we kind of stick right there with them. And it's not, we're not really a big play kind of, kind of team. We just kind of right and make it a ball game that's that's very true and i have this theory on like tennessee fans it's almost like yeah i people say that the florida gators are georgia's rival but dude i think that tennessee is like our biggest rival oh oh yeah man i was i was at that game last year let me tell you i my head was pounding it was it was great i that was that was the best george game that i can i can remember going my, my family's have season tickets for forever so oh, so occasionally man. games and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm beyond thankful. I remember looking at the screen and it said 138 dB. And then I looked it up and like a jet engine is 110 decibels. Oh my so word. I, you can imagine how loud it was. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Just, you had to, you had to pause from hollering just, just to not get a headache. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Well, my, my wife's first Georgia game that I took her to was the game that Josh Dobbs threw the Hail Mary at the very end of the game and won it. Right. And dude, she was like, "Well, this freaking sucks." I was like, "It's normally not like this, you know." It, it's, my it's normally family, better. Yeah, half my family's a Tennessee fan, so that's kind of oh, yeah, gosh. like you said, it's, uh, the rivalry with Florida. But I guess in my family, it's oh. the rivalry with Tennessee. And my brother, he's a diehard Tennessee fan. So, <laughs> well, I bet they've been real quiet recently, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh shoot. Well, we we'll get off football. It's on my mind, dude. I took a beating in my fantasy league, so I I was kind of looking at everything today at, at work and excuse there. But guest report to catch up on that one, dude. I'm telling you, man. It's I'm taking a, a whooping, and we've got a trophy this year. Like we got first, second, and last place. And last place is half of a horse. So it's like the horse's ass mounted on a plaque, and it's, <laughs> and it's called bringing up bringing up the rear award. And I was like, I I don't care if I win. I just don't want to win that. Yeah, you don't want that. No, like, God, no. Some, uh, <laughs> some of these punishments that people have to do, like these fantasy league punishments if you lose the league, <laughs> they get crazy with it. <laughs> Dude, people go hardcore. This is just like a BS, like eight-person deal. Like my boss is in it, my wife's in it. She don't even know what the hell is going on, so I'm having to like help her with the team. And I'm like, I just don't want her to win it or JD to win it because I don't. how awkward would that be to go into work in the office and be like, here's your horse's ass trophy for losing to everyone. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, you suck. Yeah, that'd be great. So, okay, so diving back into Twin Hills, like that's a cool name. Like, what what are the origins of that? Like, is that something specific, or who uh, who's the one? Like, where did that come from? Kate, I'll let you explain that one. So the farm, uh, we we leased the farm that my dad had for eighteen years. Like I said, all through school, and it was originally Twin Hill Farms was the name of the farm there in Newton County, and so. We all just hunted. That's the, the whole place we hunted. So we just kind of adopted that and took it from there. It just kind of brings us back to our roots, keeping it there. That, that that's really cool. Like an original name, like a like a you know a rooted meaning, you know, to the whole crew and local, you know, kind of where you guys grew up. So, no, that's really cool. I mean, it it's cool. Like a, a lot of these places and, and Instagram pages and these outfitters, they always have these crazy you know, waterfowl-related names. But, you know, it, it's cool to see something, like, original like that that has a tangible meaning. So that's that, that's really cool. And if you guys haven't already checked it out, go check their page out, Twin Hill Outdoors. Really cool page, good content. We're going to tag them in this episode, too. So you guys go check that out. So tell me about some early season, boys. Like, how's y'all September's been? Y'all been busy, productive? How's uh, What are y'all seeing out there? 
that that'd be more so more so me i've been down here in in south georgia uh in tipton georgia to be exact i uh we've been we've been doing pretty good um i uh it's pretty crazy so um i'm i come from middle north georgia the newton county area covington georgia area and uh it's like all hay fields and whenever i i moved down here to go to a back in uh 2019 and um I, I've come to come to meet some really good people, and it was just such a change change of scenery. It's crazy how you can go from be in the same state and it just looked completely different on a different side of the state. But uh, it's all row crops down here, and that to me, I was I was a little green to the, towards that. I, I wasn't as uh, I wasn't super knowledgeable about that then, but uh, I've I've become very very knowledgeable in in that. I. Uh, I've I've come to grow a love for hunting geese and just just because I mean as you know Daniel I mean you're from you're from North Georgia I mean I I know it's close to Tennessee so I mean y'all have I'm sure in your swamps you have a, occasional times y'all kill gadwall and mallards but I mean everybody like that so many people are used to killing mallards whenever they go duck hunting but like around here for us I mean it's it's wood ducks mostly and occasional blue wing teal um, but we've me and the group of guys I run with down here, we've we found a lot of a lot of success. I mean, they're they're uh, burning up the fuel tanks, burning up the dirt roads, just all putting in uh, putting in miles and putting in time. I mean, I I uh, my hats off to all them, and I mean, you know, we're we're working, uh, getting off at five, six, seven o'clock, and then going and riding, trying to find feeds or trying to find where they're feeding before they go back to roost and. Uh, I mean, it's, it's hours that go into it, especially around here. And I mean, uh, kind of like we talked about the other day, um, peanut season's right now. People are digging peanuts. So, uh, okay. if, if you had geese in your cornfield last week or last night, they're probably not there. They probably weren't there this morning. So, Dang. uh, with all that going on, I mean, it, it kind of, it scatters all the geese and stuff and it makes it, it makes it really tough opposed to up in, uh, Covington where I'm from, um, we would hunt hay fields and i mean as long as the birds weren't getting disturbed nine times out of ten they would stay there uh and i mean if you had a cornfield up that way you you hit the jackpot uh i know we found success up there in a cornfield a while back but uh yeah down here they're not really intrigued with corn quite like they were uh they were back at where i'm back at the house so uh that was definitely a little change and uh hunting peanut fields i mean there's peanut hay in my blind, on my blind, almost all year round. Uh, wow. I just always add stuff to it here and there. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where we found a lot of our success in, in peanut fields. And then once all that's, uh, either bailed or if they leave it, that's, that's really whenever you're about to, about to get into a mess of them, probably, uh, you can brush your blinds and you can hide phenomenal. Um, if you're not killing them in peanuts, you're killing them in the cover crop at the at the end so around okay. around up at the second weekend of january third or third weekend of january or dang not january october and uh november and even december and into january so once all the peanuts are dug pretty much you're you're in for if you can find the birds you need to hunt them because they're they're on a pretty uh we we call it a three to four day rotation so if you find them on a monday you might as well just hope that that's the first day and they might be there by the weekend but if you find them on a friday and you know that's the first day they've been there hunt them the next day if you can 
Dude, that's early goose season in a nutshell. Is God, they're so sporadic, man. It's it's like they are. It's it's not like when and and I guess it's kind of like deer too, like early season. Like you know, you think you got one pattern, but when there's so much like deer season, there's so much vegetation still in the woods. They could literally go anywhere when they're not sexually driven to go do stuff like the rut. And then geese are, are very very similar too. I mean, when you've got so many. Like especially where you guys live, like in that flatland of Georgia, like I mean, with all those that that agriculture, we just don't have any. There, there's zero ag like where where I live, so it's mostly people are cutting hay, and that's literally about it. Other than that, it's like horse pastures, cow pastures. But but no, I mean like when they've got so many options, uh, yeah, that that three day rule, that's a really good tip to get out to the guys that are uh, maybe didn't get after them this year, but maybe looking for next September. Uh, and we're kind of hit that. I haven't looked at the regs. Are we in that like first split right now for Georgia? Because doesn't it open back up like that second week of October? Yeah, it opens back up the 14th. It's it's out. It Sunday was the last day. That's right. And it opens back up the 14th, and I'm pretty positive it goes out uh, the 28th, and then I believe it comes back in that third weekend in November that uh, duck season comes in on. I, I believe it's the yeah. 18th whenever duck comes in, and then it stays in until we have our split for duck season. And then it goes out, and then it comes back in until, as you know, the end of January. And that's true. Uh, yeah, that's that's as far as my understanding is. Of course, I'll everybody read the regs. I'm not. I'm hoping I don't uh, get anybody a ticket. But yeah, I know for a fact season's out right now, so don't hunt them right now. <laughs> yeah, don't don't. Uh, sorry to run your weekend plans, guys out there. If you're listening, no, seriously, read the. Read your regs and be up to uh, up to snuff there. But no, yeah, early goose season, super finicky, uh, not a lot of calling, uh, super small spreads, realistic spreads, uh, definitely mimic what you're seeing on the scout. And like kind of what me and uh, Trace talked about last night on a phone call is if you're not always the guy that has the permission or the golden ticket to get into a piece of uh, on the X or whatever the case is, be an asset to the hunt. Like be the guy that gets brushed the night before. Be the guy that – uh, picks up the shells instead of you know taking pictures and stuff at the end. Bring breakfast, bring uh, coffee, whatever. You know, be the guy that fill you know fill the the guy that got permission fill his truck up with diesel or whatever. I mean, just do something. Uh, it's probably my biggest tip to guys this time of year uh, when you're trying to fit in with you know that group of hunters that runs around your area and you want to be the, you want to be a part of them. Show them that you bring something to the table. Don't always be the guy that just shows up late. Uh, you know, just grabs your birds and leave. You know, that's definitely a quick way, especially in, in our friend group up here, to never get invited again. <laughs> so, so definitely, definitely be an asset, boys, and uh, and make sure you're not just going out there just to have something to post like that. That is something that you know, as I've gotten bigger in the Instagram, definitely something that I've, I, I've had to step back and take a look at and say, hey, am I going out here just to have something to post, or am I going out here because I like to kill geese and I like to hang out with the boys? So. Make sure you're right. doing it for the right reasons. I think that's how a lot of guys get lost in the hay sometimes. But you got to take a step back and breathe and realize, like, I like doing this because I love doing this. So, for sure. But so, so, Cade, tell me, uh, like Oklahoma, like what what's their early season have to offer out there? Like what what's I mean, because I mean they're not known for like greater Canada's, right? I mean, mostly small geese, or am I wrong? Yeah, two resident Canada's that stay big geese okay. that stay on, um, and but the. Or the early goose season here is like nine days. It's like September 9th through the 18th. Oh, wow. Really don't do much just because mainly where I'm at, we have a lot of lessers and they don't come in till late. late. Really not the numbers of graders. And then we have a 
early teal season, which is the 9th of September through the 24th. Oh, that's it, cool. And here we have blue wing is the big deal, but they're so spor- sporadic. It's kind of hard to get on them or for me anyways. I really, I've been busy with work. This is kind of our busy time of year this fall. Uh, I do a lot of work with cattle. So that's this fall time is pretty busy for me. And so I really haven't picked up the gun this year besides some dove hunting. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I had a couple of buddies that, uh, uh now, what, what, what part of uh, Oklahoma are you out of right now? I'm in Cherokee, Oklahoma, which is northwest. So it'd be like about two and a half hours northwest of uh, Oklahoma City. I'm about 20 miles from Kansas. Oh, I got you. Okay, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of buddies that we, we've been out to Oklahoma probably four or five times now. But we've been to Weatherford a lot. Uh, trying to think of think of the town called is called Cordell. Uh, I've, hunted, right. I've hunted at Falco out in uh, Garber a couple of times. So I, I've got a huge respect and love for Oklahoma, dude. It's just a different yeah. type of hunting, yeah. and if anybody hasn't traveled, and like for me, especially, I mean, Trace knows, I mean, it's a 15, 16-hour haul to Western Oklahoma, yeah. so it's a, right. it's a full-blown commitment <laughs> to go out yeah. there for sure. The people, that, uh, the people that live in Oklahoma or grew up in Oklahoma, I guess, I don't know, I feel like I have a different appreciation for the duck hunting out here, because like I said, I grew up hunting in Georgia, and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, if you got eight ducks you were happy as can be and it's time to go to waffle house and yes, celebrate yes here it's like you know you during the, you know the peak of the season you're driving down the road seeing fields of thousands of mallards and you know tens of thousands of geese and you're just you know i, I kind of i don't take it for granted just because i got to experience you know and grew up hunting in georgia so you move out here and it's like just a different ball game Dude, one hundred percent, and it, it, it kind of makes me. And it's well, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like, yeah, I wish I grew up in a place that, you know, had numbers like that and had an actual flyway. But at the same time, it makes those trips out of state that much sweeter because the yeah. expectations aren't as high. You know, just like you said, you're like, hey, if I shoot three or four ducks, I'm freaking good. You know, we can we can bounce. We're good. You know, and it's just like guys out there. I think they get jaded to it. It's almost like in my job, like I sell for Toyota here in town. And it's almost right. like I talk about buying a car and spending $45,000. Like, you know, I, I just get jaded to it. But, like, you only buy a certain amount of cars, like, in your whole life. So it's the same thing for those guys. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, we shot 40 Mallards or we killed 35 uh, Lessers and Specs and it was okay. I mean, that's that's some, that's somebody's hunt of a lifetime, you know. Right. So you, every, it's, it's just kind of – you just got to have perspective. But, no, no, I, I love Oklahoma, dude. Like, those small potholes – uh, hunting out in the in the wheat, I think it's winter wheat is mostly what we hunted with the with the lessers and the specs mixed in. But like, dude, right. pulling up on like lessers feet down, and you just don't even like. There's so many, like you just don't even know like right. which one. Like that's dude, that's crazy, <laughs> and they're screaming in your face. It's so awesome, dude. I got pretty lucky uh, when I got out here, met some guys, and got hooked up with uh, it's Salt Plains Outfitters there out of Anthony, Kansas, and started. I guided for them for two years when i first got out here and that was just like that was really something special to me that i appreciated just going hunting with those guys that did that you know for a job and i was like man you mean you're gonna pay me to drive around and find ducks and hunt them it was like you know you did it all all your life for free and then that you know because there's not a outfitter like scene i guess in georgia because it just you can't you couldn't make it there and out here it's like 
just you know you're hunting every day it's like just the thought of that many birds around it's just something that you know it's nice to just have and think about oh god dude that's so funny that you say salt plains i i, I drove out to kansas uh turkey season i met up with seth fritz so i'm sure you met him yeah, yeah Seth Fritz good friend of mine dude yeah. seth's a good dude man like we we became buddies oh. over instagram and it was like a two-year deal trying to hook up on a turkey hunt and uh dude I, I i drove 16 hours to kansas met him there on a piece of private we, we paid the little trespass fee from the farmer and i had drove all day i got there at like oh my gosh it was like 3 30 or 4 their time and shot a turkey in 45 minutes got it on film we drove to an, another place and gosh man i am freaking brain dead on the guy yeah. that was with him because we stayed at his place what is uh because cause he also guides at, at Salt Plains. I'm on Instagram trying to pull him up, man. Uh, how recent ago was this? This was like last This was like last spring. Oh, uh, he stayed at a guy's place in Kansas? Yeah. Was it, was it Noah or Noah, Connor? it was Noah, yeah. I'm, I'm losing my mind. Noah yeah. Parsons? Noah's going to hear this and be like, you son of a bitch. I was like, no, I, I, I swear, Noah, I'm just, it's been a long day. But like, <laughs> yeah, Noah, no, Noah's a great guy. Dude, Noah's a, dude, he's awesome. He, dude, it, it's so crazy. So they, we were staying at... I guess it's his parents, like Airbnb or something out there, and he was he was kind of like, dude, we can't mess this up, like we can't be messing the getting dirt in there with the boots. So I just slept in the bed of my truck, like I I brought stuff to do it hardcore anyway. So I just slept in the bed, and this freaking yeah. like thunderstorm rolls in, and there's oh like God. lightning like creeping up under my bed cover, and I'm like, holy shit! But I, it was it was fine. I mean, it was a good story, but uh, but but Noah was actually the guy that we left the spot where I shot my bird. And not even an hour later, we filmed him shooting one at like 15 steps. It was just oh, yeah. stupid, man. Kansas Rios is a whole nother. Oh my gosh, it gets me fired yeah, that's up. Another thing you don't appreciate, like going from hunting easterns. Like I never was a big turkey hunter. Oh really? Until I moved, I killed one there and just was never really into it until I moved out here and I kind of got into it a little more. And Trace and them have came out here and hunted turkey hunted with me and. Uh, they we've actually hunted with Seth a couple times out here and Well, did I lose you? You still there, boys? No, I'm, I'm there you are. So uh yeah, it was this is I guess Trey's been out here twice turkey hunting in the first year. I was kinda new to turkey hunting out here, so we didn't end up getting it getting it done and then uh, this past year we did so dude, yeah dude, yeah, Kansas, we did Kansas Rios dude sometimes they just act retarded dude <laughs> they just <laughs> helped me he definitely helped me complete my my single season slam it was it was awesome okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out a little bit here uh -oh. it's a good oh, yeah. story though so <laughs> you know I, we didn't get it done last year so like when they <laughs> come out here you know I'm just not stressing i guess i just have the anxiety i want to have a good hunt you know want to put them on birds just like anybody else would and so they they come in what'd you get here like three or four o'clock in the afternoon yeah we got there around four o'clock i'd say that afternoon yeah so we hung out for the house got everything unpacked and then uh we knew where some bird i knew where some birds were i've been watching some so we took off and we really were just kind of scouting and they were out there we had intentions to put them in just and then get them the next morning yeah and so when i were like we'll go hunt them so we set up put throw a decoy out we called them in in 10 minutes and trace and noah they were both on the guns two of them just strutting pretty yeah 
and then they saw something and both of them ended up missing oh man <laughs> and so yeah. that was just like they've been in oklahoma for an hour and a half and yeah but we ended up getting it done the next day i think we killed one of those same birds that morning around 7 30 yeah, i went and I, I went and I killed them at like 7 20 and then we ended up calling noah one in by eight o'clock in the morning in a in a little bit of a different spot it was it was crazy just having two of them my personal favorite experiences, you know, just watching a bird work in uh, within an hour, two separate hunts, though. It was it was crazy. It was awesome. Yeah. When they missed, I was just sick to my stomach because I was like, <laughs> the pressure was on just trying to get them on a bird. And it just, oh, yeah. It not yeah. He let us have it. Well, and, and like I've heard a lot of people, we get we don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but I've heard so many people like, well, I've never missed a turkey, and like, I can't believe people miss turkeys. I'm like, dude, well, you haven't been turkey hunting very long. Yeah, you uh, ain't shot it enough that, because it happened. Dude, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, if you're out of state, if you're, you know, a day away's drive from home and, you know, you got a tag in your pocket. and Now, we're not talking about unethical shots. I'm just talking about a turkey's head at maybe you got to push it out to 45 or 50, and you got to – squeeze yeah. through a couple of trees and it's just it just is what it is type deal and you're like i'm dropping the hammer on this joker and it, i mean stuff happens dude like that that random tree that you didn't see just pops up in your way you know it just yeah. i mean you see some of the great guys miss i mean dave owens misses them uh shane simpson i mean world class world champion turkey callers here famous in that uh section of the outdoor world and they miss them too boys so you know, take that with a grain of salt. Everybody misses turkeys. I, I missed one in Nebraska this past spring, so it it, it happens. So it it definitely happens. But so uh, let's dive back into Twin Hills. Like, tell me about like you guys got any out of state trips or like some some content. Like, what what are your guys? It's kind of we're kind of standing on the ledge of of waterfowl <laughs> season. People have got a little taste of some dove and some teal and some early goose. So what uh what is Twin Hills looking like for this year? So we'll we'll uh. Um, we'll always have our, our Georgia hunts here. We, we already got some swamps lined up for opening weekend and the couple weekends after that. Well, as you know, it's, it's open weekend, the weekend after that, then it's a split for two weeks or however long it is. Like I said, read the regs. Um, but I know around here, I, I think we're kind of starting to shift our main focus. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good wood duck swamp shooting. That's, that's my roots. That's what I grow up, grew up doing um but we're kind of trying to focus on on geese more than anything around here just because that's where you can kind of get uh bring more bring more guns than you can your little your little slough swamp or our little slough swamp that we have uh and uh have more guns it's more more time to fellowship just setting the decoy spreads up and you know we, we're always always just talking and joking around just having a good time and uh I think we're here in Georgia. We're trying to mainly focus on the big geese, uh, just because that's uh, we're we're kind of, as it, it's a new learning experience every time. But it uh, you know, with with every go, you get better. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a goose. They're still a wild animals. So there have been numerous times we set up on them and they don't come in. But that's what that's what we're going to try to focus on. And you know, maybe maybe how to another have another plan to if they don't. If they don't come in, where could they possibly be? You know, narrow those birds down to one or two spots. Right. Uh, and we're we're going to go out to Oklahoma like we always do, and uh, trying to film film some good content. Like you like you mentioned earlier, it's not 
it's not all about the content. I know that comes with age, but um, we go out there to see Cage. He's a childhood friend, one of, one of my best friends. Uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't trade it for a world. We we always we've come to come to meet some of his buddies down there. So I mean, they all know us, and I mean, we just have a good time, man. That's that's really all all it is. As far as I guess content wise, you know, we started out just like just getting content wherever we could, you know, any kind of buddies that we knew in high school that had a picture and they wanted to send it to us, we'd post it just kind of started out that way. And then, you know, as you get, you know, better hunts and get older, you can kind of, we're trying to focus more on our own content now and getting that. And so trace has the, the early goose season there in Georgia and does that. And then throughout duck season, killing those. Uh, And then I kind of, you know, they come out right after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's and hunt. So we try to get a little content for that. And then while I'm buddy hunting out here, I kind of help feed the page a little bit with the mallard side of it, I guess. Yeah. That's what's wicked, dude. So, like, your your prime time in Oklahoma, I, I've always tried to plan our trips if we go out there like that December 15th week you know that that mid-december has always been pretty good for us but i've 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 always heard that late season in oklahoma can be just freaking stupid yeah january is just another animal you hit that first week in january and it's just you know you know throughout december that all the states up north you know they could be frozen up and they could still have a little warmer weather open and water but once that january hits that those those uh, northern states are really locked up and so we get a big push of birds around christmas and so it just starts getting really thick there that's freaking wicked yeah oh i was gonna tell you so i'm going out uh to nodak for the first time ever i've I've been out west several times other states but never that far i guess northwest that's about as north you can get north dakota on that sort of side of the country but uh, we leave in 30 days going with two rigs out there in close trailer, getting out there with uh, some boys from Ringo, Georgia, Cranston, uh, Gas, and his boys were going out and uh, kind of a freelance, kind of getting pointed in the right direction, but not really any hand holding, I guess you could say. Just kind of, uh, just really just. What are y'all chasing? Uh, mostly like field birds, like ducks and geese, yeah. kind of a mix, but we're going with. Uh, I'm pretty much taking every silhouette I've got, big owls and dive bomb. I've probably got, oh, my God, probably 23 dozen, I think, and then I've got probably three or four dozen specks and ducks mixed in. So we're going to take those and match them up with whatever they got. So we're we're taking the kitchen sink. Like, everybody's got layouts. Like, everybody's uh, – there, there's no, like, rookies on this trip. It's just like you want to go out there with a bunch of killers and people that know kind of what they're doing. So I'm excited about it. It's going to be a hell of a truck ride. Which, you know, I mean, with, with a truck full of dudes, it's, it's really not that bad. You know, you can kind of split the driving up and kind of take yeah, your time out fun. there. So we're uh, we're really pumped. It's it's going to be a solid week of filming out there. So if you guys haven't checked out the Mojo Buck Productions YouTube channel, go check it out. So I'm going to kind of break it up, I think, is my plan. Instead of doing like day one, two, and three, I think that's kind of overdone. I'm just going to break it up to like different titles like, big geese over dry land or whatever, you know, mallard yeah. over dry field and just kind of break it up out there instead of having like a day one through seven. Cause that, that way there's not so much pressure to have something for day two. Like if I have to, you know, throw two days together. So we'll yeah. see uh, fingers crossed, man. That That's kind of what's cool about doing this kind of deal is it's, it's almost like turkey hunting out of state. If you don't have a buddy out there, if you're going public, there's not really, there's no promises. It's just a promise of you can go. <laughs> that's I think going to make it. 
what what's going to make it so so nice if you know the plan does come together like like that like y'all go out there you know if it's not posted property and you see five thousand ducks out there you know y'all y'all have at it the next morning um dude yeah i'm stoked about it if y'all are which i i hope y'all are successful at finding something like that um but i i mean y'all go out there and maybe hopefully the first day y'all get out there y'all know i'm assuming since y'all are just kind of going in blind i'm assuming the first day y'all are going to kind of spend you know riding around uh looking for stuff and hopefully hopefully y'all can find something rel- rather quick and um i don't know i mean kind of going in blind like that like i said whenever it all comes together it makes it that much sweeter just because like you left with the hopes of killing, you know, or hopes of doing this, and now you're actually doing it, you know. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah, and I, that's and that's hunting oh, in it. I mean, all you got your, you know, your license in your pocket is some shells in the gun, and that's it. I mean, you're not a, you know, I mean, even I mean, that's kind of wherever you go. I mean, you just, you know, the only promise is you get the chance to get after. I mean, when the and the birds do what they do. I mean, I think that's kind of the mystique and the draw of it. You know, you wake up every day, and even if you're, you know, you're a whitetail guy and that's all you do i mean you, you never know i mean you never truly know what's going to happen you could be in for something that you'll remember for your lifetime something that you may want to forget so I mean, you just never you never truly know you know when you're heading back home from a long or out of state trip and you're talking with your buddies you really you know even if you do have a good good week you know you very rarely talk about how many you killed you talk about what happened here who fell in the water you know yeah who dropped their gun, you know, phone, whatever, just the, you know, the stuff that happens that y'all laugh at. And, you know, you really don't talk about the bird count that much once the trip's over with. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you always learn something that that's kind of, I mean, we're, we're going with some experienced dudes, but I mean, it's not like, you know, you learn something every time you go, you're like, Hey, you know, we didn't, we should have done this on the setup or we should have did this with the spread or not put so many or put more decoys out or have a spinner, not have a spinner. You know, we should have took a dog, should have not had a dog. So there's there's all kind of – you can always learn something, which is which is part of the reason that it's fun. I mean, you don't – if you knew what was going to happen every time, you would, you'd be like, all right, you know, I'm just going to sleep in. I don't really want to go, you know. So it's right. – I think that's kind of the drive behind it too. But So uh, sorry, so you guys are going to Oklahoma. Any other big announcements or partners you guys are dealing with for Twin Hills or anything you guys want to drop on the podcast? Yeah, so uh, recently I, I spoke I spoke to a gentleman and he he called me about uh, Banded wanting to wanting to uh, sponsor us and you know of course I I called Kate. I was ecstatic I called Cade and uh, he's you know he he said that'd be a great deal I mean Banded we used to wear Banded a long time ago and I mean I I'll be I'll be the first to tell you we already got our first shipment of stuff in just kind of going ahead and making the change because we used to wear all all sick stuff and yeah. For the for the sleek advantages it gives you, I mean, uh, it was it was really nice. But uh, the banded you wore in 2016 is not the banded you'll be wearing in 2023. That's uh, good to hear. I mean, the Aspire series bandits came out with. I mean, it's it's flawless. Um, and while I haven't really been able to enjoy it outside quite yet, um, putting it on in the house and stuff, and just feeling how it feels and i've been able to wear some, their pants and uh bibs so far and i mean it's it's awesome they're great i, I re- highly recommend it to anybody who's kind of on the fence about trying it out or anything uh they've been great to us and 
Uh, as you know, um, Mr. Gibb at Ducktoe, he he was kind of our, the first believer in us whenever we only had like 500 followers on on Instagram. And uh, since then, we've kind of just taken off uh, since like since then, really. Uh, I mean, Big Al's decoys, they Big Al, he's, he's a great guy. Uh, talking to him, we, we love running his decoys. And uh, I mean, I still have a few dive bomb decoys and stuff, but like the side by side comparison, uh, I've been it's crazy. Lead. It's crazy. I, I know the guys. Not to take away anything from the from the dive bomb guys, though. Just I mean, like I still run their stuff as well. But uh, whenever I can just keep adding, I mean, if I'm if I'm choosing a silhouette, it's going to be a big house. It's it looks great and uh, turtle box uh, audio. Their little waterproof speakers. Uh, um, they're little but a loud sound. I mean, they're great. We we run those setting up setting up spreads. I mean, because uh, like I said, here in South Georgia, um, we run silhouettes. We run full bodies at the same time. We kind of run slammer spreads because that was another change coming from uh, Covington to here in the hayfields. You know, if you if you run uh, three dozen silhouettes in Covington, you're good. Yeah, here in here in uh, the row crop country part of Georgia, we uh, I mean we're hunting feeds that have two three hundred geese and. Uh, what I do, actually, a lot of people probably are going to laugh at this. We run the silhouettes, the full bodies, and actually, I have uh, three dozen uh, socks with the uh, greenhead gear socks with the back stakes in them. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, I slam those around around the uh, bl- blinds and stuff. We run layouts nine times out of ten. We do have an A frame. We don't utilize it a lot, but. Uh, nine times out of ten, I use those socks around the uh, layout blinds, and I think they really we incorporate it into the J or the U or the little family groups we make. We just make that a little thick, thick group around the blinds and it's been working out great. I mean, you don't really hear about people running socks in Georgia. I mean, no, I never have the, the back stakes, the back stakes in them, hold them open. And um, just whenever you set them out, you know, swing them around a little bit, flare them out. I put them between blinds and let your doors hit them. They're, they're not going to break. They're durable as all get out. So uh, that's one tip that I've, I've kind of taken upon myself to try out and it it's worked really well. I mean, um, that's about all I can, all I can say and add, we mix the silhouettes in there and then the, a few full bodies. We ha- we have about a uh, hundred eighty to a hundred full bodies, but we only use like 40 of them. And then, you know, well, later in the season we use that. Right now we're only using a couple dozen. So, but I guess we're still the, the transition stage. We're we're still like a, I guess a hodgepodge of just stuff. Like whatever you know, we've been hunting for together for six, seven, eight years. So it's like you know we've just been using what works, and we're now we're getting to that stage where we can kind of fine tune everything. Where you know we run this set of decoys and this set of uh, guns and this set you know of clothing. But, you know, growing yeah. up, it's like, you, you know, throw your redhead, throw your redhead jacket on and your, your rubber boots and go out there and hunt. And now it's yeah. just a totally different ball game now with all this new technology. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It's almost like, you know, once you, you know, get out of school and you got a little bit more uh, change in your pocket, you can go out and upgrade stuff as you go. And that's something, guys, that yeah. you listen to this podcast, man, don't feel like you got to go out there and, and get a freaking mortgage on a house to to go duck hunting you don't need half this crap i mean you can go out there with winchester expert your old granddad shotgun as long as it's got a steel yeah. a steel choke 
uh, in the barrel, you can you can freaking go out there. So I mean, I bought uh, my first gun from Walmart right there and went duck hunting with it for three years. Oh yeah, yeah. dude, absolutely, man. I mean, and and as you go on, I mean, you you get to where you're like you know the budget for hunting gets gets a little bit bigger and you can upgrade this and yeah. that and that's kind of the that that's kind of the fun of it and that's kind of what you guys are seeing is the transition to you know now we're going to invest in some some uh some you know D- dave smith or whatever you know some some yeah. instead of uh cabela's you know, northern flight blinds we're all going to get tangle free or you know what whatever the case may be but it's a I'm kind of a gear whore myself, so I love that side of it. Like I love talking like gear, lanyard calls, shells. Um, lo- love that stuff, and that's something that I tell people all the time on the podcast is specifically gun, shell, and choke combo. Dude, I'm telling you, there's I can't tell you how many duck hunters, and I hope this stigma changes over time. But <clears throat> excuse me, like how many guys go out there and you're like, okay, so you shoot, you know, brand A choke to brand B shot shell and you shoot a whatever shotgun okay so like what does that thing do at 20 what does it do at 35 you know what's your max effective range have you put it on a pattern board do you shoot skeet with it you know like what and and nine times out of ten they're like dude i don't i just shoot ducks with it that is a that is not that's a bullshit answer you need to know like what it does because it's the same thing as a lot of guys are preaching this on the spring episodes is like, dude, you should not step foot in the turkey woods if you don't know what you're about to unleash on that live exactly. animal. It's it's exactly. not fair to them, dude. Like, that's not being – we preach conservation, and that's one of the most easiest ways to get started is to know what your equipment does. It's the same thing as a guy that shoots 3D archery all summer and tunes his setup to go, you know, for that one moment he gets at a deer or a, an elk or whatever the case is. Same thing for don't don't be a lazy duck hunter. Don't go buy some new stuff over the summer, and and don't take the time. And I know guys, ammo is expensive. I freaking get it. Number one yeah. cost of waterfowl is probably, uh, you know, if you're going out of state, is license and fuel, and the next up is steel shot. It is just freaking high dollar, especially right now. Thank you, Joe Biden. But no, yeah. I mean it's just yeah, it, you owe it to the bird, man. And plus, if you know what it does, like say like like my Benelli Eagle Three, like. It shoots high. It's a fact. Like, it just does. But at least I know what my hold right. is, whereas my Savage is dead nuts onto the choke tube, and I know that. So that's stuff you need to know. I mean, don't I, you guys I, agree? Uh, I shoot a Silver Black Eagle three two, and, you know, that was like uh, – that was my dream gun for the longest time. You know, that was the the waterfowl gun. You know, they had the one, the old one, and then the two, and then they finally come out with a three. But the three was always just my dream gun. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people and they're like, man, you need to shoot the two, two shoots truer. And I was like, you know, I'm not going to even shoot the two. I'm going to go get what I want. I yep. want three. Finally got that. And I've used it for turkey hunting and, you know, it does shoot high. I've patterned it that way. But I know, you know, when I got a turkey at, you know, 35 yards, as long as I see his whole head above my gun, you know, then I'm on the money. Yeah, and and that's just stuff you get through experience. Like like th- this summer, uh, we work with Kent Cartridge over on my on the IG page, and they've been with us for years now. But they got a brand new shell that came out, Fast Steel Plus. It's a duplex, so I got a couple of cases of the two and four shots. So I caught the two by four, and then the BB over two shot, which is hell on geese. I'm telling you, I, that stuff is crazy in a full choke. But anyway, I wanted to know what it was going to do because I had two different chokes per gun. And it kind of sucks. I mean, you go through some shells and you go through some targets and time, but 
at the end of the day, like I just know. And that's kind of something that it's funny you said that about the Super Bowl Eagle three. I've got a shim in there that I could take the stock off and shim it down a little bit, but I've been shooting it since like, I mean, I've got one of the, I think I got one of the first two or three that hit Dalton. I mean, I put it on layaway like they, like they just hit shot show that year. And I went to the, uh, I think it was uh, Jack's Pawn and Gun here in town. They're a Benelli dealer. And I was like, I don't care what color it is. I just want to put one of these on layaway. I want to get one. And I was coming from a Stoger. I mean, I was like, you know, bottom of the – that's not a bad what? gun. What? Dude, yeah. I mean, I, I killed a lot of shit with that Stoger, and it's a great gun. Yeah. It, it's just yeah. just, just a cheaper version of a Benelli. You know, it's it was what okay. I had at the time. But I was like, you know, screw it. No. I'm, I'm putting In some money down. Order. It's working, dude. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, but I mean, you know, I could shim that gun, but I know what it does, and it's kind of like if you read about it, the Italian mindset when they're making those guns is like they like to see the bird when they shoot it. Right, and it was uh, designed after a trap gun, so that kind of you know, when yes. traps flying away from you, you want to see that that clay, and so that was what it was designed after. And so when I sh- went from a twenty. I shot a 20, you know, all up into high school and, you know, all your friends have 12 gauges. So you're like, well, you know, I want a 12 now. And so dad would <laughs> let me take one. And he, uh, he had a super Vinci. And so, you know, they have the real kind of high, I guess, you know, right there where the butt stock hits your, you know, middle of your gun. Yes. kind of has up to it. And so when I got my super black Eagle, I was just like, you know, it came with those shims, so I shimmed mine down just because I was used to shooting that before I even shot the gun. And oh, okay. I, yeah. That's crazy, dude. Like, the first time I picked up my three, I was just like, dude, this feels like an extension of my arm. Like, it, it was just like, the ergonomics of that gun is is right. slick. But, hey, we'll get off shotgun. So, Trace, are you guys, uh, you, you talked a little bit about your, your future endeavors on an enclosed trailer rig for Twin Hills. Yeah. Yeah, man, I, I've I've been I've been hunting pretty hard, uh, look looking for one, you know, trying to find the right deal, and I'm pretty convinced they're so high right now, just because you know, plywood is is so dang expensive uh, right now. Uh, I've been talking to all the guys down here in South Georgia that that I run with a bunch, and you know, like I told you yesterday, it's not really something we want to we want to split up. Rather one person have it, and that way, you know. Uh, I'd let any, I trust any of my guys to roll with to haul it. Uh, but that way, if something happened in the, in, uh, down the road and, and they're like, Hey, I actually need my half of the, uh, my half of the trailer back. And you're like, well, dude, uh, sorry about it. You know, yeah. you know, so it's going to be one of us to, one of us to bite the bullet and all of us utilize that asset to, to our needs. But yeah, I have, I have some really, really good ideas. I, you know, I'd like to, uh, we run a lot of layouts around here. And, uh, like I said, we have about 80 to a hundred full bodies. So, I mean, there's no reason that like we would, we would, if we got a enclosed trailer, we would fill it up the first day we had it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think, uh, I think just going to go into fields and stuff would be so much, so much easier opposed to having, what we're doing right now, just kind of meeting up. We're throwing them on like a little lawnmower trailer. We're we're prof- not professional by any means, you know. We're we're still we're still getting all the kinks and stuff figured out. What y'all see on social media is by far some some of the best stuff we we're able to produce right now. You know, of course, we have future upgrades. We'd like to we'd like to get into you know bigger cameras and stuff uh, in the future. But sure, uh, 
you know, that, that kind of stuff comes with time and, you know, we're kind of at the stage we're trusting the process right now, you know, um, we're, we're just keeping it, um, as raw as we possibly can. We're just all still going out and having a good time. And, you know, once that stops, I feel like the drive kind of stops. I hope that never, that never happens, you know, where we get, we get burned out. Be like, oh, we got to run the camera today. So, you know, I, as, as long as none of our guys are getting burnt out doing that, I'd say that's good. And we've, we've actually thought about running some hunts, but, um, the hunting pressure around here is, is, uh, pretty crazy. I mean, for more things than just waterfowl, like all, all aspects. I mean, everybody has a, has a son, a grandson, a, a brother-in-law, you know, that enjoys hunting. And, um, it doesn't matter what price you're willing to pay for said field or said block of woods, you know, if you're hunting turkeys or trying to hunt deer, whatever, uh, if they have a family member that's hunting, you know, rightfully so, they they get first dibs. Uh, so that's kind of some a few issues we've ran into, and then you know, showing respect to the to the farmer's field. Uh, we're kind of being in South Georgia. We're kind of like might as well be in North Florida. We get uh, we get showers almost every evening. So wow. a lot of these sandy sandy fields we hunt, um, sandy and silt fields we hunt, uh, they're super soft. So like the last thing we want to do is go out there and bury a truck in a trailer. So, you know, trying to just work out all those kinks and stuff and, uh, figure out what, what's going to be the best for all of us. Uh, I'd like to touch on that a little bit too. Like as far as, uh, you know, hunting on other people's property, uh, taking care of your landowner, that's just a big thing that'll, you know, get you invited back as far as, you know, if it's a, if it's a good field or a good pond, you know, you wouldn't want to do anything to, to uh you know mess that up run the risk of losing that you don't want to lose that our trick my grandma always made uh jelly so you know a lot of these landowners around georgia we'd hunt, ask to hunt ponds and stuff and we would always take them some jelly and stuff and they love that and she's like the little extra stuff that you know because you know they may have three or four guys come knock on their door and ask and if you can do just that little bit to you know stick out Dude, yeah, I got a great story about that. So a couple of years ago, this this guy near Calhoun, he planted a bunch of uh, corn, which is super weird for up here. I mean, he usually rotates beans and cotton uh, off and on. And then this one year that we lived down the road, he, he did corn. Anyway, long story short, we burned their ass for like three days. I think it was like over like a two-and-a-half-week span. Just absolutely ripped into these freaking geese. They just had no – yeah. we, we capitalized on it, took it to them hard, like good – and so at the end of it, I was like, hey, you know, I had like, I was rotating like five or six buddies out of there, just depending on who could get there. Cause, cause I would scout it and then we'd freaking pound them. I mean, it was just like, we weren't giving them time to even get in there good uh, and, and, and think about it. So it was just, you had to get it at the moment. Anyway, so I was like, what can I do to this guy? Like, he, he already ran a big operation. He, he was like, you know, probably in his lower, I mean, 83, 84 years old. The dude was just chilling in life. I mean, there was nothing he really yeah. wanted. But I, I got him like a $100 visa, just a generic gift card they could spend anywhere. And I drove up to his uh, home place there, gave it to his uh, his wife, and had like a little handwritten note. I was like, thanks so much for letting me hunt. Uh, you know, if, if you ever plant corn again, I'd love to, to, to be, you know, if you call me, I left him a business card. I was like, thanks so much. You guys have a Merry Christmas, blah, blah, blah. And dude, like he called me like that. I didn't even get home. He calls me. He's like, He's like, man, my wife thought that was so awesome. He's like, if you ever want to hunt again, and like in the in the long run of it, in hindsight, you're like, it's a hundred bucks split up between six guys, and everybody put in like you know twenty, fifteen bucks, whatever. 
And you're like, you know, $100 to a guy that doesn't need money. But, dude, like that little gesture, like you said, like the jams and jellies, like the homemade goods, stuff around the holidays, dude, that shit goes a long way with people. Yep. Definitely. Right. And that's like the deal with, uh, like, I guess going towards getting permission, you know, on the front end of the hunt, you know, you're trying to get down a field is, I guess, make it as personable as you can. That's kind of my tip as far as getting permission, you know, like out here in Oklahoma, with these all these outfitters out here it's hard to you know buddy hunt a place if it's got significant numbers because you know you got an outfitter coming in offering a hundred dollars a gun yeah eat with that but if you can make a connection or just you know any kind of some kind of connection between you and somebody they know or you know where you went to school or you know just that make it personable and that goes that goes a long ways uh, you know, over the money wise, because you know these these old farmers and stuff. You know they they've lived their life and they probably don't need your you know your hundred dollars a gun, but so you know some like that. But then if you can come in and just you know be a friend and make it personable, they'll they like they jump on that. Yeah, or if you can like steal somebody's kid and be like, hey, he's never even seen a duck before. <laughs> Right. <laughs> take yeah. him and like take him with you, like put some uh put some like water droplets on his cheeks. Make him look like he's been crying. That always works too. No, I'm just kidding. Don't don't do that shit. That's that's terrible. But uh, no, but like yeah, dude, make make a connection and don't don't burn a hole up and and leave trash and little Debbie wrappers and shotgun shells. That's a good way to to ruin it. Not just for yourself, but ruin it for anybody else that drives up and wears camouflage. That's another thing. Like especially out of state turkey hunting, I've had a lot of success. Take you some street clothes and look halfway decent, even if you're out of state and you're living out of your truck for a little bit. Try to look halfway decent and act like a person when you go up to these people's house. Don't be walking up wearing camouflage, have blood on your hands, or you know you yeah. look you look like hammered shit. Like treat people good and 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 you know with respect, and it goes a long way because you know if you go you up take and, care of yourself, then yeah. you know they, they know they're gonna you're gonna take care of their land. Yeah, dude. Right. No, it's a this little detail. Like they say, the devil's in the details. That's a freaking. That's the truest statement I've ever heard in my life, dude. The little the little details get you a long freaking way so on the on the twin hill side of the social media are you guys going to start up a channel are you guys going to start uploading videos and hunts and how to's and stuff like that is that in the pipes or yeah so uh what like i said we're, we're working on getting a camera I, Cade and i actually both have cameras i have a nikon he has a canon okay uh but i've been looking at some of the uh some of some sony stuff more video camera side of things i mean i definitely love to start a youtube video and you know something else we've we've talked about is similar to tiktok instagram reels facebook reels you know youtube now has those youtube shorts yeah and they're they're about the length of uh a tiktok or whatever um and i think that'd really be a good way just kind of kind of get started with those is kind of what we've we've been talking about and then, you know, maybe work our way up to that. I mean, like I said, we're all kind of still trying to get established with, you know, personal lives and stuff. But, uh, I mean, if you did, I was telling Kate the other day, if you did told me Twin Hills where it's at, Twin Hills where it's at right now, um, whenever we created it in high school, I'd probably be like, yeah, you're full of shit. It grew faster than, than what we you know, intended it to really, because, you know, once it got started getting big, this is when I moved out here or bigger, started taking off. And so we kind of split apart. So that's made the content and video and a little more. We've always focused on pictures and stuff, just kind of 
having a good hunt and taking some pictures but as far as the video and we really haven't we've talked about it a bunch but just really haven't got into it because we've just really grown more than or faster than what we thought we would and we're we didn't think we'd be here today like like we are yeah oh yeah yeah dude for sure and I, i tell guys all the time like if you're trying to to launch a channel or whatever you don't have to have, you know, I mean, it sounds like you guys got some cameras already, but you don't have to have, like, I mean, you could go out there with a with a, your, your phone. I mean, I, iPhones now, now shoot 4K. You could have a you could have one guy with a GoPro on his head for the POV shooting, and then you could clip in the GoPro for the interviews, the post hunt, the B-roll. Dude, like, people don't believe this, but I edit all of my YouTube videos on an app on my phone. Never right. touched a computer program. I have never gotten into Adobe Premiere. I use that free version of Adobe Rush, and I let it rip, dude. So you don't. You can do it. Like you can do it with what you got. Get out there and do it. Get started. And uh, yeah, I, I think you guys are headed up in the right direction. You know, it's going to be cool to see see what it comes on. Uh, you know, this season. But uh, boys, well, you got any uh, closing statements or tips for guys uh, on the edge of duck season coming up and goose season? Yeah, kind of like what we what some of the last things we talked about. You know, if if a farmer's willing to let you hunt, the la- the least you can do on your end is you know respect his property. Uh, you know, it, you don't one bad apple ruins it for everybody. So just keep that in mind. You know, if if uh, don't be that guy that you know goes out and trashes a place or you know goes and drives out across the middle of a freshly haired field if, after you know it rained last night. That's probably not going to get to come back. Uh, you know, just take, treat, treat the property as if it was your own. So that's what my finishing note's going to be. And, you know, like wish everybody else, uh, good luck this, this coming fall and winter and, uh, stay safe. You know, I mean, none of this, none of this is worth, you know, someone's life. So just shoot responsible be responsible and have fun. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Have your, have your ducks in a row and control what you can and, you know, everything else should fall into place if you do your part and just, you know, everybody, I've been, I've been in high school before and, you know, that's what, you know, duck hunting got real big or just seemed like when I was in high school, every, every guy in high school hunted, you know, you knew people and, you know, you were there too with, you know, y'all weren't not doing stuff quite right. And just, you know, as you grow older, it's just not worth it. And it's just making sure your ducks are in a row. And, you know, I've been on, you know the receiving end of a ticket before and you know Oof. that one time it'll it'll make you figure it out <laughs> yeah yeah, dude. yeah absolutely well hey it was awesome to finally have some georgia boys on here and uh you know kate even though you're in oklahoma you're still a bulldog at heart so it was nice to have you guys on the show and and uh, yeah dogs on top screw the balls and uh Oh, <laughs> but uh, boys, uh, tell them one more time your personal IGs and then the Twin Hill <laughs> IGs so they can go follow it after hearing this show. So my my personal Instagram is Trace Larimer underscore, uh, and uh, you can find us on Twin Hill. I tag whoever whoever sends us sends us videos, but it's uh, the Instagram handle for that's just Twin Hill Outdoors. And uh, like I said, whoever whoever took the video or edited the video, we give them credit. We're we're a, we're pretty a wide a big team about you know eight eight or ten guys and um yeah i'm just i'm just beyond pleased where we've got now kate i'll let you take it away yeah my uh instagram is Cade underscore mitchum and that's Cade with a k not a c and uh i also like to give a shout out to uh dalton whitley and noah garner those are the 
I guess us four are kind of the main ones that started this, and we've been hunting yep. together for, for the longest time ever. So I like to give credit to them because they're they're a big part of it as well. So yeah, no doubt. That's awesome, boys. Well, you guys go check them out. Go give them a follow and uh, hang on because they got a lot of content coming down the pipe like we do as well. So if you guys aren't familiar, Mojo Buck Eight Zero, Mojo Buck Productions, go follow us. Go give us a subscribe. Check out the content. We got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, as always, boys and guys, go follow the Part Time Hunter Podcast IG page where uh, we'll have a link to this and their pages as well. And uh, I think that's that's going to do it for tonight's episode. That's episode thirty three, Twin Hill Outdoors. And uh, as always, boys, we'll catch you on the next one.